He has dominion over every single one of those timelines. And so no matter what I choose, I have the freedom to do it, but God still has a plan for each one. I just heard something fascinating about Judas Iscariot that they found that in studying some of the texts of the Gospels, that kind of these seeds of dissension of him, you know, recognizing he would betray Jesus and be a traitor were present already in some of the other uh, texts of the Bible um, or, or other historical documents. There's apparently this one story where everyone wanted to go uh, to the market to get food, but Judas actually didn't shop for groceries in the market. He went to Trader Joe's. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 176. So great to have you back with us. If it's your first time, we start every episode with a dad joke. I hope that brought you joy. And if it's your first time listening, please rate and review this podcast. It helps other people to find it. And if you're a longtime listener, if you haven't done that in a while, we would very much appreciate it. If you want to find all of our content, stay in contact with us. Go to our website, manafoodforthought.com or manafft.com. While you're there, click on the subscribe button and you'll get our weekly uh, Psalm Reflection emailed right to your inbox every Wednesday. And also you can click on the give button if you feel so inclined to become a sponsor of this podcast because it does cost money to host all of the services that go into communicating and hosting the, the podcast on our website. So you can become a patron for as little as $1 a month there. Otherwise, share this podcast with a family or friend, a uh, family member or friend. It's the highest compliment you can pay us. And if you do so, please make sure you uh, tag us in it if you do it on social media, especially on Instagram. That's where we're most active. Mana Food for Thought is our handle. So without further ado, let's get into our joy, junk, and Jesus. <clears throat> a lot of joy, um, a lot of joy slash junk. Like, you know, there's, some, you know, so like today's my fir- my daughter's first day of kindergarten. Very joyful for her, but it's also like another like, oh, like you're getting older and it's just going faster and faster and it's only going to keep going faster and faster. And there, there's a heartbreaking element of that. Um, and you know, in ministry, we have so many people coming into the church this year through RCIA. I mean, a record number I've never heard of in times past or in my time here at the parish in any capacity had a group this big or potentially this big. We'll see who who sticks around. But um, so we have a really great team who we have one of the biggest teams that we've had uh, and yet still not nearly enough people to help because of the, the people coming in. So just need a lot of prayer for all of that stuff that's like bittersweet. Um, that there's still like a lot of work to do in that regard. Um, junk has also been, I've just been dealing with some not fun pastoral issues in ministry and at work that I just really use prayer for and the other people involved, I'm sure could use prayer. Um, my Jesus moment, um, I got to speak at the local, uh, convocation for the Diocese of Orange to all the youth ministers, especially all the first timers. That's a really great thing to do. I think to, to really help orient people and how to do ministry well and to, focus everything on relationship with Jesus and equip them with some skills. And on Friday night, we had our big thank you dinner to all of our volunteers at the parish. And so it's always a really great time seeing people and celebrating and just thanking them for all of the good work that they do. So I just have seen a lot of the Lord working and a lot of his direction in where we're going as a parish. And there are growing pains uh, in all of the growth and all of that. And so it, it's it's a reminder to me to be faithful to the work that God is doing, because if he's doing the work, he will provide a way for it to happen. And so I don't have to worry. So anyways, yeah, this is our first week of our crazy, my wife's back to school, back to work, out of school, 
I've been still working full time. Hannah's back to school. So we have this color coded, detailed like calendar um, for all of us that um, today's the first week of it. And because we had a recent storm, it's not, we're not even doing what's on the calendar. We had to alter it because things were changed. So um, yeah, it's just wild. So if you're a parent, you know, but um, yeah, pray for us as, as I pray for all of you. So let's get into our episode this week. We are looking at the second reading for this upcoming Sunday, which is the 21st Sunday in Ordinary Time. The reading is a continuation of uh, Romans 11 from last week. And so Romans 11, 33 through 36, uh, pretty straightforward. Again, Romans, a theological treatise by Paul to the church in Rome of a divided or very um, multifaceted church, we could say, comprised of Gentile Christians and Jewish Christians, both bringing all of their history, all of their practices in the middle of this secular and pagan worship epicenter of Rome, trying to figure out what do we all have in common? What matters? What can we do away with? What does it mean to be Christian? So Paul is continuing on this treatise, and this is what he says to the church in Rome this week. He writes, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How inscrutable are his judgments and how unsearchable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given the Lord anything that he may be repaid? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So a short reading, but packed with just this beautiful reality of the fact that God is so far high and above our intellect, our will, our knowledge, that he has no equal. Like he is greater than all, more knowledgeable than all, more present, more powerful than all. And so this really speaks, I think, this week to me and hopefully to you, to any kind of presence of doubt, distrust, worry, or control that we tend to have in our relationship with God. You know, especially this line, how inscrutable are his judgments and how unsearchable his ways. You know, inscrutable uh, means basically incomprehensible. Like we cannot even understand his judgments. We cannot even search out his ways. Like we can't even begin to fathom what he's up to. This reminds me of uh, one of my often quoted passages, uh, my, one of my favorite often quoted passages, Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, where uh, the Lord is speaking to the prophet Isaiah saying, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And the question that's really inspired in me as I was reading and reflecting on this passage this week was, do you honestly think you know better? Like I was asking myself that question, like looking in the mirror, thinking about all the times that I've questioned God or have not wanted to go to him or not trusted that he was going to come through when things get bad or worrisome or difficult or stressful thinking like, oh, how am I going to do all of this? It's like, no, like God will provide the way. God does not bring us into a situation to serve and provide none of the resources or tools for us to do so. He's always, always giving us what we need. He's always, like like when Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Like he's always doing things ahead of time. And if we could simply look around and let go of our own pride, our own control, our own preconceived notions about how things are going to work and just receive every moment, every day, every resource, every grace as it comes, we would recognize he has all of this covered. He's got it all figured out. Like, do we honestly think we know better? Like, are we that proud that we think we have a monopoly on the mind of God 
that we can kind of see where he's leading or where he's going. Like th unexpected things happen every day at a moment's notice. And yet we still have this mentality that like, oh, maybe things will be different. Maybe things will go the way that I want them to. Like, this is so silly, but it I, I hope you have this experience because I have this experience all the time. Have you ever watched a TV show or a movie that you've seen over and over and over again? And you're watching it again and you get to a really sad or difficult part. And, and, and it's a part that maybe you were hoping happened differently. You know it won't. But we're watching it and we're thinking like, oh, maybe maybe it won't happen this time. Like, oh, man, I wish he would just like notice or, you know, like there's that inkling in us for things to be different, for things to be kind of in a comfortable package, for things to be the way that we would like them to be. And the same is true with God. Like he sees and knows the story of how our lives will play out. And when we're questioning and doubting him, it's as useless as us trying to get the plot of a movie to change as we watch it. Now, I'm not saying we're just sitting back with no choice in the midst of our lives. Like that's, that's a bit of a loose analogy uh, because we do have free will, but God's knowledge is beyond our free will. He knows every decision we will make and could possibly have made. And he has a plan for every single one. You know, there's this theory in science that like every choice branches off into a new timeline and a new dimension of a reality. So there's realities that exist where I made different choices and every single choice is a different reality. Guess what? God is sovereign and, and he is Lord over every single one of those dimensions. He has dominion over every single one of those timelines. And so no matter what I choose, I have the freedom to do it, but God still has a plan for each one and he still has knowledge of each one. And he's still trying to speak to me and get me to make the choices that will lead to that end result of me being with him in eternity, uh, in heaven for all eternity. But he will give me the free will to choose the path. He will give me that free will. I think the two most dangerous words or two of the most dangerous words in our spiritual life are the words, I want. I want. Because when we talk about wanting and we talk about us wanting, like I immediately puts the focus on ourselves and not on the Lord, not on his providence and his provision. And we talk about wanting, we're implying that we are deprived of something. And we know that God will provide every good gift for his children. God is always working for our good. God will give us everything that we need to fulfill whatever mission he has for us. He will provide for us until the moment that he calls us home and he'll provide for us in heaven in a new way eternally for us to live and bask in the glory of his love. And so the real Christian, the disciple of Jesus Christ we need to constantly be asking, what does God want? What does God want? Like, why would we question? I love the passage in Job. I don't know if you've read Job, but you may know the story where Job like loses everything in a big way. And he's faithful. He's righteous. It's kind of painted as this test uh, between the devil and the Lord. Uh, the devil telling the Lord, like, if you take all of these things away from this faithful servant, he's not going to worship you anymore. He'll turn away. And God's like, no, he won't. And so he allows all of these difficult things that happen in Job's life to show Job's righteousness. And so Job, you know, he has these three and eventually four friends who are counseling him and going back and forth and telling him, you must have done something wrong. You must have angered God in some way. And he's like, no, I didn't. Like, I want to bring my case before the Lord and ask him, like, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? Why'd you let this happen? And finally, after 38 chapters, God finally responds and he says, where were you when I founded the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. 
Where were you when I founded the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. 13 billion years ago, when our universe was founded, God was effortlessly calling it into being with a complete and total plan for its sanctification and salvation. Where were we? We were only a thought in the mind of God. And billions of years later, we come into existence here on this earth, and we have the audacity and the pride to think like, oh, I think I know better. I think I know what's good for my life. Like this idea that everyone has their own truth and that everyone needs to trust their instincts and go with their gut and do what's best for themselves. Like nobody really truly has an idea of what is best for them, at least not an idea that's better than God's idea and plan for us. It's really bad advice to tell people who have minds distorted by sin to do what feels good or feels right for them in the moment. Because eventually we're going to choose something that is destructive or wrong for us. We will, no matter how much we trust our instincts. Even the most disciplined, virtuous, heroic, self-improving person on the planet fails sometimes. But God does not fail. We were not there when he founded the earth. So it can be difficult sometimes to understand. But I've been reflecting a lot on the recent gospel of Peter walking on the water. And if you've, I probably said this on the podcast a couple of times already or in the Bible study recordings, but I just think it's worth repeating that like Peter walking on water reminded me of the storms that God allows are the ones that we need to weather. Because in Matthew 14, when walk, the walking on the water happened and they're afraid because of the storm, we don't realize unless we look back, Jesus had already calmed a storm with the disciples in Matthew chapter 8 when he's in the boat with them. And so they should have had complete and total trust that God knew a storm was coming, that God would, would protect them from it because they'd seen him do it before. Maybe there was a little doubt because he wasn't in the boat with them this time, but when they see him coming on the water, the first instinct should be, okay, you're here, calm the storm. And yet I think Peter learns from the first storm. He recognizes like how many storms in my life has God prevented that I've never even been through. And so if God is allowing a storm, there's obviously a purpose to it. There's obviously a reason why. Because I can't appreciate the storms that I've never been brought through. If I have no awareness that God just quelled them before they were a storm, I have no appreciation for that. I learn nothing from that. I can thank God because he protected me and provided for me. But, but what did I really gain from not going through that storm? It's in the moments of trial and struggle and sacrifice and suffering that we grow, that we learn, that we become more virtuous and courageous and heroic. And that's why God allows suffering. It's not because he's trying to punish us. It's because all of it, he is seeking to orient toward our good. And so every storm that you are weathering is for a purpose. And so instead of Peter seeing Jesus and saying, calm the storm like you did last time, I think he recognizes there's something to be learned from the storm. And so he sees Jesus walking on water and his natural thought is, maybe I can do that too. Maybe this is the lesson. Maybe this is why I have to go through the storm. And I think if we had that mentality, if we shifted from, God, why is a storm happening in the first place? To, God, why is this storm happening? And where am I going to be on the other side of it if I let you bring me through it? Then we'll be so much more better off in our spiritual life. We'll be learning the things that God is intending to teach us. We'll be being formed by the storm 
being purified and tried by fire so that we are more purified. So just like any metal, when you melt it down and you, you, you purify it in the heat, you take off all the, the, the slag and all of the impurities that rise to the surface. And then when it cools again, when the heat or the storm or what have you is over, it's more purified. It's more, more whole. And so do we learn what we are meant to learn from the storms that Jesus has us endure? We don't learn anything from the, the storms Jesus prevents us from experiencing. We have no idea how many storms he's calmed in our lives that we've never even seen a raindrop from. But what about the storms he endures? Do we remember the words of Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know well the plans I have in mind for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for woe, so as to give you a future of hope. God knows every single thing that is happening in your life, no matter how difficult, how horrible, today could be the worst day of your life, to trust that God didn't want any of the bad things of this world to happen in the first place. But they happen as a result of free will and sin being a part of this world and distorting the goodness and the truth and the beauty he originally created us with and creation with. But he allows it to continue because he will use it for a greater good. So can we trust? Can you let go of the worry and the anxiety? Can you let go of the need to control? Yes, make good decisions. Don't just like say, all right, Lord, if something is going to happen, you're going you're gonna to make it happen and it's just going to fall on my lap. Like, no, we need to be faithful, but we can't just wait or we can't just wait until it's a guarantee. We can't just act as though I need to have all of the information before I feel safe, secure, and make a decision. No, we need to exercise faithfulness using the information that's been presented to us and do it in a wise and prudent way that's faithful to the teachings of Jesus Christ and to the church he entrusted to us, the Catholic Church. And if we do that, then we will be so much better off. If we pay attention to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, if we go where life is directing us, just like I, I think there's a, a mention of this in the, the, the passage from Matthew chapter 6 when, he's when Matthew's talking about dependence on God. It's like Matthew 26, 25 to 34. And he's talking about like the God provides for the birds of the air and, you know, and, and the trees of the field or something like that. But, but I always have this image when I read that. I can't remember if it's directly in there or if it's an image that I just have in my mind. But like the image of grass flowing in the wind. And no matter where the wind blows, the grass bends. It bends. It would be ridiculous to see one piece of grass like fighting for dear life to resist the wind. It would just be ripped loose. It would be, you know, whatever it is because it's trying to resist it. Grass behaves as it was naturally created to. We are the only creature that God created that has the capacity to behave other than the way he created us to. All animals, they obey their animal instincts. They, they, they act and behave exactly as they were created to. We have the choice. So are we going to be stubborn and resist the winds of the Holy Spirit prompting change in our life, even if we don't know where that change leads? Or are we simply going to bend to the wind and go where it leads? God does not want us to, to make these decisions without him. He doesn't want us to sit back and let him make all the decisions. He wants us to cooperate with his grace. But that requires that we have a posture of receptivity, that we have the mentality of someone who's always listening and following rather than someone who is making decisions and plowing forward without consulting God at all. 
God is like the map of our lives. It shows us where we need to go. He shows us where we need to go. And a person who is lost would never responsibly just like wander. They would look to the map, or even if they didn't have a map, they would look to the signs that God is sending. The position of the sun, the moon, the stars, finding running water, seeing if there's moss on the trees, figuring out the best course of action to get to safety, to get to the place they intend to go. We need to do the same. We need to look around at the signs and seasons of life, pay attention to signs of direction, and follow them so that we can get back on the path, on the right path, and trust that that's where we're supposed to be. That's where we're supposed to be. It would be so ridiculous if we were lost in the middle of nowhere to either just say, all right, like I'm just going to resist this and do nothing. And just then we would die of starvation probably. Or even to say, all right, like I'm going to take decision, make matters into my own hands. I'm just going to live here now. Like that would be crazy. Like we need to follow the signs. And the same thing is true in life. Like we can't just like batten down the hashes and fortify ourselves. But we also can't just like try and grab hold of everything and make some quick, you know, um, judgment call without really consulting God and asking, what is the purpose of this? How are you directing me? How are you leading me through this storm? And it's not always easy to hear because the storm is loud. The waves look imposing. That's why when Peter started paying attention to those and he lost sight of Jesus, he began to sink. We can feel like we are sinking. But if we fix our eyes on Jesus, if we have time in prayer every single day to quiet our minds and our bodies and just come to him, even in our sorrow, our confusion, our anxiety, our lack of decision, our, our lack of ability to know what to do. God has a plan. God knows where he is leading. His judgments are inscrutable and his ways are unsearchable. For from him and through him and for him are all things. So to him, not to ourselves, but to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us trust in that glory that is well-deserved and not place that glory in ourselves and think that we know better. Are we that proud? God knows all things. Do we honestly think we know better? Let's take a step back and see where the Lord is leading. That is all I have for you this week. God bless you, my brothers and sisters. Pray for me as I pray for you. And until next time, I will see you in the Eucharist. God bless. Thank you.